Hey guys, it's Amanda. I am just popping in because we did have to do a re-release this week. We were going to do a new episode with Space Sweepers, but because of work and because of vacation schedules and just like life stuff, we had to delay a week. So if you haven't listened to the Congo episode before, check it out now. Listen to it again if you'd like. It's always a good one. Um, If you have listened and you're going to skip this week, please take a second to give us a five-star rating and review. It's super helpful. It makes a huge difference. Um, And also check out disastergirls.myshopify.com, our merch store. I just released a bunch of new things for um, Congo, actually, and then also Volcano using the opening, that little like opening blurb in Volcano about the Office of Emergency Management. So check all of that out. uh, And we'll see you all back next week, hopefully, for Space Sweepers. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Bruciola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello, welcome back to the show, wonderful disaster divas. This is Jordan <laughs> Cruciola. And I'm Amanda Smith. And this week, I know, I think I said the same thing last week in that like we have a treat for you, but I mean it even more this week w- because we are talking about Congo. We have a piece of sesame cake that you can continue to eat. Stop eating my sesame cake. <laughs> my mom's still laughs at that line we'll say it to make herself laugh <laughs> and who who's the author of the the book it's uh that well it's michael crichton Mike, michael crichton it's a michael crichton yeah. book yeah. yeah 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 i knew it was that guy yeah, i just was, forgot yeah. his name yeah the way that i would be about like any actress who in the under the age of 30 mm-hmm. that's how you just were yeah that, uh, that was a that was a reverse nicola peltz moment yeah is what that was <laughs> i do want to ask the question has any other author like profited so much off of the same plot over and over again? It's kind of insane. Does James Patterson change his plots? I have I, not I've read enough James read Patterson to know, but I like. Okay, I would argue. So I would argue Peter Benchley because he made Jaws and then he turned around and made the wrote the Beast or one came before the other. I don't know which came first, but the Beast is just Jaws but with a giant squid. But the Michael Beast Crichton is, has wrote so many things, but. All, Andromeda, like they're all not all the same. <laughs> he, he, he has written, but they're not all like they have a common theme, which is maybe we shouldn't mess with science to okay, the degree yeah. that we are. Okay, but I would argue, yeah, that Jurassic Park and maybe Congo have a, a, lot, a few similarities. And sure, Westworld. Oh, I always forget about West. Well, wait, mm, yeah, wait, did he did he write Westworld? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Shit. Yeah. Well, and I feel I feel like there's two more that I'm not remembering. I'll we'll get back to it anyway. I don't I don't mean to derail the discussion. No, this is fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that uh, you know, their science is science is a is like a B plot in this one. It's not necessarily. It's what drives our heroes in Congo. Yeah. To uh to into the Congo. Uh well, it drives one of them, but it is a very nature-driven movie because this is a movie about uh Dr. Karen Ross, who works for Travacom, a telecommunications company, and she is taking an expedition into the jungles of Congo to recover a piece of very expensive laser technology that her boss is relying on to be the future of telecommunications. And also, to her more importantly, retrieve the boss's son, her former fiancé, Charlie, played by 
Bruce Campbell in an in an essentially Bruce Campbell role. Surprise! I had forgotten. Like, oh right, Bruce Campbell was oh, yeah. really hot. Oh yeah, I had forgotten. That. I think Bruce Campbell would tell you that he's still. I mean, he's still got yeah, it. No, he still got it. But like, it was just that surprising moment mm-hmm. of I of like Dreamboat Bruce yeah. Campbell versus like that jaw that it, he really oh, like the right. swagger that he has. Yeah. And and so Bruce Campbell is there, like trying to recover blue diamonds to put in this special telecommunications laser uh, to power it. But in a uh, satellite link up with his company and with Dr. Karen Ross, played by the legendary uh, Laura Linney, something attacks the camp and takes them out. They don't know what it is, but they see like a brush of it in front of the camera. And is it an animal? Is it a gorilla? Do gorillas do that? So they send an expedition in simultaneously. A professor at presumably UC Berkeley, since we cut over to Berkeley, has been training a gorilla named Amy, who is basically Coco the gorilla, been training her in sign language. And she speaks with a uh, glove and pack mechanism that allows her to communicate verbally via sign language. And because she has night terrors and and draws pictures of green things, the professor discerns that definitively, well, Amy wants to go home. Amy wants to go home. Yeah. We've got to take Amy home. Even though Amy could theoretically communicate that sentence to him. Yeah, absolutely, she could. She could say, like, Amy, Amy want home. Amy want jungle. Like, but she doesn't. Mm-hmm. She's, it's indeterminate, but this is what he decides. So the intersecting path of Professor Pete, Peter, wanting to get Amy home into the jungles of the Congo and Dr. Karen Ross wanting to go get her former man and this telecommunications device in the jungles of the Congo becomes a marriage of resources and and desire. And they end up uh, together with a, an expedition team. With of a, a eccentric. Eccentric team led by the incredible Ernie Hudson, but British, which was something <laughs> I forgot how fucking incredible that was like why did we miss out on a whole career of ernie hudson being british and so this team plus peter and the gorilla plus karen ross goes into the jungles of the congo and what they find is a a very ominous location where they discover a race of bred to be basically like the the fighting dogs uh, the the pit bull fighting raised to be fighting dogs of the gorilla kingdom attack gorillas is attack what gorillas. we call them in in colloquial terms yes attack, attack gorillas, gorillas uh, protecting the former g- g- legendary diamond mine of King Solomon yes and so that is the journey we go on and this is the journey we're on together today oh it's, I I really like yeah I. I clearly had not actually watched this movie, despite having an entire memory of having seen this movie. And mind you, when we and Amanda addressed this earlier, Amanda said the last thing I remember seeing is the eyeball. Which which it turns out is in the first 10 minutes. First 10 minutes when Charlie, Bruce Campbell, they have their brush with the attack gorillas and he goes off to find his friend in the jungle and he gets, he's eating a candy bar and he gets hit with something and you think his friend's antagonizing him, but it was a, it was a gray, one of the attack gorillas throwing his friend's eyeball at him. And then Bruce Campbell screams and we cut away. Uh, I think back to the, we cut away to the professor for the first time. That is the cold open of this movie. And that was Amanda's last memory, which I guess should tell you what a cowardly child I was. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but if you had asked me up until I watched this movie a few minutes ago, or not a few, or a few, you know, a few, a few days ago, I don't know. We walked in and she was like finishing up. The I, 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 we, you walked in and I was still at the part where that happened. Um, but yeah, if you had asked me up until 
like I saw that up until I watched it the other day, I would have sworn up and down that I had seen this entire movie. But if you had asked me what the movie was about, mm-hmm. I would have just been like, uh, killer gorillas. <laughs> which is not wrong. Which is not wrong. And that's what I love so much about it. It's like, yeah. I could have told you who was in it, what happened, but I 100% <laughs> could have been like, um, there's killer gorillas in the middle of the jungle. And really, the, the saddest part about that is that you missed out on the almost... Can, like almost nonstop iconic delivery of dialogue from oh Laura my god Linney. everything she says in that particular Laura Linney declarative statement tone of voice is incredible it's singular it's a singular performance if if I had known she's the Tommy this Lee could Jones. have changed my entire life you could maybe you would, I would have had be, a new role model I I might have been a different person Doctor like, Karen Ross if I could have grown up trying to be Doctor Karen Ross instead of like. Daria. <laughs> oh my God. This would have been a game changer. I right think there. what we don't hear enough is that Dr. Karen Ross mm-hmm. is Laura Linney's Dr. Ellie Sattler. Oh, a hundred percent. It is her I, take on Laura Dern's do- Dr. Ellie Sattler. I just, I want the two of them in a girl gang. Yes. Like I wearing want, khaki. Yes. Practical shoes. Yeah. When Laura Linney first appears and she's wearing the um, denim button down shirt with a vest over it. Yeah. I was just I, Laura Linney in a vest is really a hero. Like that yeah. mo- that was what I said. That is my first gut moment. <laughs> and it it carried me through much of this movie. It was just like Laura Linney being Laura Linney. Yeah. I you know, always doing Linney things. <laughs> doing Linney things. Just I'm in. Um and yeah, I I am actively angry at child Amanda now for being such a <laughs> fucking coward. <laughs> Well, and as such, because she's obviously, Karen is obviously such a hero, for believability, you know, to get into the reality yeah, index of yeah. it all, I believe any kick-ass thing she does in this movie. Every moment. And I was like, oh, sure, she can just, like, hang out of an airplane door oh. and sharpshoot missiles. Done. I'm yeah, in. They're, they're one of the early, most, one of the biggest highlights of the whole movie takes place early on when they're in a plane, I think flying from Zaire they're into the Congo. F- yeah. And a lot of conflict going on at this time. Yeah, there's and like civil war happening in this. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's regional warfare. And there are soldiers on the ground who are firing at their plane and they're starting to shoot heat-seeking missiles. And so the pilots are like, well, we're done. Those are heat-seekers. So what does... Laura Linney do? What does Dr. Karen Ross slash we figure out that she is also a former CIA agent do? She kicks the door of this cargo plane open, hangs out the side, and starts shooting flares at these missiles so they catch the heat signature and explode the flares instead of exploding the plane. And then you see the, like, unflappable Monroe Kelly British Ernie Hudson come by and be like, well, shit, she's onto something. So yeah. he gets his flare gun. And the two of them leaning out that window and shooting flares at missiles. I was yeah. like, look at this. Look at this one true pairing. I don't ship it. Oh, 100%. I no. just want it to, I want them to like lead a battalion into the rebel revolution. I don't know. Oh, no. I, I had in my head written an entire romancing the stone style movie of oh, like yeah. swashbuckling adventure swashbuckling. and all that. Like all of that wild adventure, but where both of them are the Michael Douglas character. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They're just topping each other the entire oh, time in, in every conceivable way. It was, yeah. I it, when, when the two of them did that and he just like begrudging, there was just, he would just had nothing but respect for her. Yeah. He never doubts her. Nope. He has no respect for, for Dr. Peter. No, he does not. 
want, which I was like, good. I like a man who has no respect for this dude. Played by this is and this is where that I, I feel like I have a very Amanda moment. Mm-hmm. It's played by Dr. Peters, played by Dylan Walsh, who I always think is Timothy Hutton, who I always oh. in my head make Timothy Hutton, but I know they are not the same. Yeah. But like I can't shake it, but it is Dylan Walsh. I my first instinct when he came on screen was like, why does he look so familiar? Have I dated him? Because that kind doesn't of he kind of look like every guy, every brunette dude I've dated? I can see yeah. the through line there. Oh, yeah. I saw that. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, and he's kind of like a, a, <laughs> a man who dates dweeby. 90s attractive men. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 1990s style attractive guys. Oh, man. I want to make like a multicam sitcom starring all of Amanda's exes. <laughs> oh, my God. But no, it, look, if curly haired dude who is a little quiet and uh, doubtful. Don't about smoke. everything and also in a weirdly codependent relationship with someone that he shouldn't be <laughs> totally my type right that there just described like a guy i want to set on fire well like, from the outset well or you could just call <laughs> into a dan savage podcast about him yeah oh, which boy. did happen to me mm-hmm. with a guy i dated oh. so <laughs> so the reality index being believe any shitty thing this guy does i 100 every moment i was like yeah i do believe that he would serve a martini to a gorilla <laughs> Yep, I am in that Amy he would want green drop drink. Green drop drink. I, was like, <laughs> I did believe. I was like, yeah, of course he'd be like, we should belt the gorilla into an airplane mm-hmm. and in the window seat mm-hmm. because she can process. And I should not explain <laughs> to her how an airplane works. Right, right. They I, didn't. Ha- they did not because Amy. Gets so in the Amy car- gets they, into the airplane. Yeah, Amy gets into the airplane, headed to Africa, and they put her in a window seat yeah. on a very small plane and then they start to take off and she's like where is the ground going yeah where is the ground why is the ground going away yeah. which is a very legitimate question yeah, to ask that, if you that are does a feel very real if you are if you are that educated to know that yeah. something is wrong you you've learned enough as a gorilla but you are still a gorilla and you don't yeah. know how flying works that feels like a very reasonable panic for amy to slip into i mean i if you put me on an airplane and didn't tell me what was happening I'd be like, <laughs> what why is the ground what is happening what are we you're putting us in a metal tube and sending us through the sky yeah give me the green drop drink <laughs> like a hundred percent amy's response also very believable that once she was like we're flying nobody should do this this yeah. is against god and man yeah give me a fucking drink yeah and, and like you said what was the first time i yeah peter learned i should give the gorilla a, a martini. cocktail yeah like because that's, that's like, and, very... and was it always a martini was it always was it gin was it vodka like mm-hmm. what was the trial and error process for amy's green drop drink yeah to no. calm her down <laughs> what how because this gorilla it's not like you she lives at home with him in some sort of a Dunstan checks in <laughs> yeah. scenario. So like he had to be at the official school facilities backslash, I guess kind of a zoo. I don't, I wasn't fully clear on quite what, like it's hard to keep a gorilla on a campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, there's gonna be a lot of questions about having a gorilla just like in a, in a campus uh-huh. classroom situation. Um, so I was a little unclear on that, but I was like, where was he mixing drinks at work? Yeah. Did, did anybody else know about this yeah. in the faculty or was this Peter's, Peter's secret? Peter's like, secret, which again goes back to his whole weird codependent relationship with Amy, which, yeah. which is fortunately called out by Tim Curry's people. incredible character, Herkimer Homolka. Yes. The ro- formerly of Romania uh, posing as a, philanthropist but con man yeah uh Ooh. he he sees them in the plane together and he's like they look like a like they look at that old husband and wife and then like yeah. and then all the and then all the scouts are like husband and wife everyone's yeah. like husband and wife which is true yeah but 
it, it still leads to a lot of questions for me. Um, <laughs> unrelated, but related. Herkimer. I meant to. So oh, yes. Herkimer, my favorite little bit of trivia that I'm glad I didn't see this until now because I wouldn't have appreciated it. Herkimer diamonds are a thing. Oh, okay. And a Herkimer diamond is actually a quartz. It's quartz crystal that so grows. fake. Yes, but it oh. optic. if you pick it up off the ground, it looks like a diamond crystal where it's optically similar, where it's clear. And then it grows into like a 16-sided kind of thing and it so it would you need like, like a jewel loop to know uh you wouldn't need a jewel loop you could like test it with a couple you could do a couple different kinds of basically hardness tests oh, okay, to okay, see okay. if it's if it's if it scratches interesting um i think i have some somewhere in my rock collection that over ha- here. then that has to be connected it, well it's intentional they definitely yeah, picked that name as like a haha this is an in-. like that's one of those things that you do as a writer just to amuse yourself <laughs> yeah and i love it i love that as soon as they, his, his name was herkimer and i was like oh and speaking I of the writer Speaking oh, of yeah. the writer of this the movie, the writer John Amanda. Patrick Shanley of <laughs> Doubt fame, also Joe versus the volcano. Um, wow, yeah. yeah. But let's not pretend that like let's not put on airs here. John Patrick Shanley, he did write Congo, and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then turned around and had like not a great view of Africa with this movie. I gotta say, right? Never, tr- never trust a. A white person. Yeah, writing, writing about, about Africa. Writing about Africa. One no, of the one of the the tribal things where I was like, Woof, okay, I'm not sure how this <laughs> that was a little like tug on your collar moment yes. for me. That was one of the, the best things I, I feel like a, a person has said to me is I, I was doing a a list one time for a journalism job where I was writing about like very lavish like train trips you could take across the world. And there were multiple options in Africa mm-hmm. for these like long term, luxurious like trans country, trans continental yeah. train experiences and you read all of them and they all make you feel like it's the lap of luxury and it all makes you feel really gross to read about because it's all like tour the historic diamond mine of this, this, this. And it's like basically yeah. taking a map of colonialism and oh, yeah. being like, wasn't this a flourishing and wonderful time for civilization? And I, I was telling a friend how uneasy it made me when I was doing this research. And she goes, ooh, yeah, nostalgia tourism in Africa, that's tough. And I was like, oh, <laughs> my God. Like, ban ban it. Yeah. <laughs> ban, ban white people from writing about Africa. Oh, yeah. Um, a ban, a white Americans. Um, True. <clears throat> but, yeah, uh, so we... I totally believed that Dr. Karen Ross would see Charlie jeopardized and immediately be like, spring into action. Well, yeah. we're going to Africa. And fortunately, uh, John, Joe Don Baker plays Charlie's dad slash the Travacom, head of Travacom, who is a perfect Texelon corporate. Musk. Yes. Yes. A perfect corporate overlord bastard. Yeah. Who's obviously more concerned with getting this, getting the diamonds to power his like change the face of telecommunications, yeah. get me my new cash cow laser, then getting his son back. Right, and when she's like, "Look me in the eye and tell me that you love your son," yeah, and he just in the least case, like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah sure, I love my son." And yeah, he like, just goes, "I do, I do, yeah, it, 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 and tell me that this this is about going in to save him." It, it is. is. It's like, and then she and she's like, "Okay, fine, yeah." But if I catch any wind that you don't truly yeah. feel this way, it's like, lady, <laughs> yeah, he's I hate up the to game. tell you this, yeah. but. But unfortunately, though, it cues up that great line where Laura, Laura Linney gets to tell him, like, if, if I find out that you're sending me to get some diamond and not Charlie, yeah. I will make you sorry. 
Yes. In like, I wish I could imitate the voice of Laura Linney, but I can't. There, it's, you, but you I, can't summon that. You can do, you can do Mia Goth, but you can't summon <laughs> Laura Linney. You know, that rings the tuning fork in my ear. Mm-hmm. Um, so I totally believe Dr. Karen Ross would set out on this expedition and be basically covered and totally fine. And the company's got obviously a ton of resources behind it. So they've set up all the fixers, yeah. all the visas, they've got everything in place. And I totally believed also that this... NorCal Berkeley soft boy professor. Oh yeah, who I'm thinking has no field experience. He pr- everything is everything is purely theoretical. Yes, he didn't. He when he sees the gorilla, when he sees the silverback. Yeah, and they're like they're, they're in the jungle. They're in the jungle, in Congo and a silverback comes and like goes f- and gets right up in his face. And Ernie Hudson is like telling him what to do, and Doctor Peter goes. I know I've read the books. Yeah. It was like, like, oh, you've been claiming authority this whole time and all you've done is read the books. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. But then I believed it too. I I was like, of course you've been coasting on this like all knowing primatologist degree label, whatever you are. Mm -hmm. And you've also been underestimating danger at like every turn and taking these principled stances that are unsustainable. Yeah. Because you have no real world perspective. You are, you are a closed off academic and you are, Again, a Berkeley soft boy. Yeah. So any point, any point of the movie that he seemed absurdly naive or detached, I was like, okay, yeah. Like this is, this would be like, no, why are you running up the stairs when you should be running out the front door kind of situation? But like, of course he would. Of course they would get airdropped into the middle of the Congo after they just had soldiers shooting heat seeking missiles at their plane from the ground. They would hit the floor. They would hit the floor of the jungle and he would turn to Ern- Monroe Kelly, Ernie Hudson and go, that's it. Like we've got to call this whole thing off. And Ernie Hudson tells him, he's like, okay you can go wherever you want. I'm going to lead this expedition because this is the job I'm here to do. And we're here now. So this place is super dangerous. Good luck to you. It was like, yeah, this guy absolutely, he thinks he's got good perspective. He's like, I know when I'm in over my head, I'm not James Bond. It's like, well, do you know when you're in the middle of Africa, in the middle of an African country and have absolutely no fucking idea how to get out, but for the man in front of you, who's going to lead you to, to safety. So yes, I completely believed his like dumb assery. (laughs) It was it was annoying, but it felt so real to the character. I wasn't even like terminally annoyed. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. this just feels like a fully flesh out character to me. Yeah, I, I yeah, no, there was there was no moment where I was like, oh, maybe no, he, useless dude. Yes, like he he is the he is a character who pure would be, heart and ideals. He would be useless in this situation. He was useless in this situation. I respect that. I respect that. That's that. That is all he's good for. Is yes. like screaming when a hippo attacks a boat. Yeah. Yeah, but also like his saving grace is that he's not like histrionic. Like no. he's never like I can't believe you're putting me in danger. That's his assistant's role. Like right. that is what is I forget the name of his assistant. Uh, I don't know. The whole time I was just like, oh, it's um, it's not the guy I know. And he has like he has the most Richard. Richard, Richard, played see, by the Grant Heslov. So in my head, though, Richard is our resident whiner. Yeah, yeah. No, Richard. Richard was was a red shirt. Richard yeah. was cannon fodder. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, from the beginning when he, when his whole thing is like, well, we're going to take her back to the jungle. Yeah. Which one, like that is, have you cleared that with any of the people at UC Berkeley who have been funding <laughs> yeah. your research, sir? Because I hate to break the news to you, but that's a lot of money you're yeah. releasing into the jungle. At which point 
she has no survival skills. Yes. She can't hunt for herself. She is a talking gorilla. <laughs> like when I but he, w- we meet him giving a presentation to p- presumably potential uh, like donors. More, more donors or, or like, being like presenting trained, his research. Yeah. Like yeah. I've trained this gorilla to talk, give me money so I can keep doing this. And then he's like, no, we're going to send this gorilla. I made all this progress with back to Africa. Yeah. And, we're, and, but and then everyone's also, like, okay. And then also though that he's like, and then she can teach other gorillas to talk like, sir, have you not seen, <laughs> have you not seen planet of the apes? This is how it's, this is explicitly how it starts. <laughs> you take one talking gorilla, you release it amongst a, bu- a bunch of other talking gorillas. They link up with Muja the alligator. Yep. And then we're all. Yeah. Fucked. Who's connecting the neural network of, of animals coming to like um, human levels of consciousness and self-awareness, yeah. which by the way is the entire plot of that show zoo, <laughs> but which we're, we're just, we're just pitching zoo now. Yeah. Um, but like really bad idea to release this gorilla that also like, okay, if she, if she doesn't, if she, let, we're hoping that she can teach other gorillas how to talk. The reality is, is that you're going to drop this strange gorilla in a very territorial species yeah. like territory. She has no connections to. Yeah. And then just like leave her. Yeah. Good plan, primatologist. <laughs> but I did believe that he somehow thought this was the best thing to do. And yes. then like, I, I absolutely believe in the purity of his intentions. Yes. And he is able to go on this trip because fortuitously, yes, as he is talking to presumably like the dean of his university uh, about about setting this gorilla back, and he's like, "You're not going to get anybody to pay for that trip," which is <laughs> extremely true. Tim Curry blessedly rolls up out of nowhere, as as we have addressed, Herkimer Hamulka, the formerly of Romania philanthropist, who's like. I will get Amy back to home. Yes. And he introduced himself as Herkima, Herko, whatever. Yeah. Herkima traveling, traveling the world doing good. Yes. That is his exact, like that is on a business card basically yeah. for him. And, and, and Peter's like, mm, seems legit. Yeah. And so he's going to accept the money that this guy's offering to pay for an expedition to get him and like a team and all their resources all the way to Congo to safely deposit this gorilla and get back. And, but Tim Curry's true motivations are that he is obsessed with finding the lost city of Solomon, the city of, they call it Zinge. Zinge. And I love, I love an obsessed archaeologist. I think that's a great trope. Uh, it was ridiculous to me that what, because he, Herkimer, had decided that Amy was really the keystone to finding this unfindable city of Solomon in its, its diamond, its rich diamond mine below. She was the key to finding it because she'd been drawing the same illustration over and over. This green background with an eye in the middle of it. And he's like, oh my God, she knows where the city is because I saw in a book about Zinge when I was a lot younger, this same eye symbol. And he calls it like a unique symbol yeah. of an open eye. Uh, it, it's really, yeah. Which he also has not a pendant be, too, but yeah. still. Well, and he has a pendant with the eye on it. And the eye is absolutely unremarkable. I mean, it's it's basic enough that a gorilla can draw it. And it also, like, look at, look at like, Egyptian hieroglyphs. Yes. Like, look at our dollar bill. The open eye is quite a popular symbol. The idea the that... The eye is on all of the walls in the temple. Yeah. Because it's an Egyptian symbol. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is truly a nondescript eye. But he decides that Amy, and of course he happens to be right, Amy is going to lead them to the promised land because she's surely been there before. Yeah. So 
Obviously, Herkimer is a sham and his money is fake. So fortunately, Karen Ross swoops in with her with corporate financing. Filled with money, which I was wondering how she planned on getting through customs with that. But I guess by paying it off with more yeah, money. Yeah, I was going to say by, yeah, by, by having a bag full of money. Out, yeah, sure. that's exactly how she was going to do it. So they they get to Congo and it's Joe. I think how do you it? Joe Pantoliano. Sure. I think that is how you pronounce it. Does he appear for more than a scene and a half? Like two scenes. Like they, but he, yeah, he just shows them. up. He stamps a thing. He stamps their passports, and then they're just like, "Well, we're done with you now." Well, I mean, John Hawks exists to scream till he dies. That's true. You see him. You see John Hawks in this movie. The very beginning, he's in the camp with uh, Bruce Campbell, and they're the initial team of Travicon people that's in the Congo. And then you do not see John Hawks again because the villa, their little encampment gets savaged, and uh, by by the Greys. So then you do not see john hawks again until later on when he becomes like the living evidence of the horrible thing that happened so karen ross's team finds john hawks in the jungle and they're like he's still alive and they sort of rouse him to consciousness but as soon as he sees amy he gets like gorilla ptsd and seemingly with no he physical injuries to himself to screams death. himself to death like yes. there, i'm not saying there weren't internal injuries but it was like oh did he just no he, he just seriously die a fright and that's john hawks's whole role in this movie yeah but that is yeah so that at that point they're deep enough in to where they know like it's getting more and more dangerous as they go further and further in and not just because of like inter not just because of like intergroup conflict and and military strife but because this is probably this might be a scary shady place where we don't we don't know what awaits us in the landscape that we're not equipped to handle right but it turns out they follow Amy, they end up on a mountaintop, and their GPS and all their technology stops working, and they, <clears throat> the last, like, geo-coordinates told them, basically, to turn right at this path, and Amy's like, no, we go, you know, we go this way, we go this way, and Laura Linney, who, Dr. Karen Ross, no bullshit, former CIA operative, she just looks at Amy and goes, well, I don't have her passion, I'll follow the gorilla, and that, to me, was one of the less believable moments in the story of Karen Ross that she would just give in to this gorilla. She was rightfully and initially so skeptical. Yeah, I mean, well, once once a gorilla calls you ugly, like you really shouldn't listen to anything it advises. But classic mean girl moment. Uh, yeah, she just, I was like, she well, suddenly to- bent to her will. Yeah, no, you just you just bully people enough, <laughs> Amy. Um, I did kind of believe that she was at that point. Laura Linney was just like. I'm gonna die anyway. <laughs> I might as well die following a gorilla. Like, what kind of weird, sure. like, through the looking glass world am I in, anyways? <laughs> at this point, so I do kind of buy like her. Just, All right, I hear that her resignation. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um, especially because like at that point, Ernie Hudson was also kind of like, oh, sure, yeah. And at that point too, they're down to a handful of people. They're down to maybe like a dozen people. Yeah, it seems like this, is this after this was after the hippopotamus attack? Yes, which. which believable oh my god did you read that the, was did you see the thread on hippopotamuses no there was this guy who did a whole thread about how, why hippopotamus are awesome and, and they are but they i want to hear more um and it, he's like they're the only they're, animal they're, they're 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 on rafts they're going across like a river the presumably river or a lake and they're going at night and then out of nowhere there is like a multi-pronged hippo attack that because savages these are rafts. territorial yes yes and that is that is why they're on lookout the whole time and yeah the hippo just so looks. they're on watch that's why they're that's why they're with the guns and they're have the oh, lights that's why the guys are on lookout yeah okay, the guys yeah. are on they're, lookout yeah, they're, they're, they're the hippos i can't 
like speak to whether or not the hippos were on lookout. I would assume they're always vigilant. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there was this whole thread some guy did like a month ago. uh, Basically, he's being like, I want to talk about hippopotamuses for a while, as happens on Twitter. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, they're, you know, they're they're so badass that crocodiles will let them just like let their children, the baby hippos just teeth on them. Because they know that there's nothing they can do to stop it. Seriously? Yes. So, and then there's a... There's they just let hippos gnaw on Yes. Them? Yes. Hippos teeth on crocodiles. Oh, my God. I know. That is wild. Apparently. I mean, they're 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 the size of vans. Like, yes. I get the... They, I, that is very sensible of the gators to be like, fuck it, leave it. Yeah. No, they there's a whole this whole thread and it goes into talking about just like why hippos are ridiculous and badass. And then they get into the fact that like Teddy Roosevelt or someone wanted to stock the Mississippi River with hippos as a source of meat for us. They, were they gonna, wanted to like import import basically. hippos, put them in the Mississippi River, and then just like they were like, yeah, and then people will just be able to eat the hippos. Do we know anything about hippo meat? Um, I all I know is that the, they had come up with some brilliant branding for it. They wow. were going to call the hippo meat River Bacon. Oh my! I mean, this is oak or Lake Bacon. Basically, this is it might have been Lake Bacon. <laughs> I, I think it was Lake Bacon. This is Oakja. Like that. Yeah. That is what this is. It's. Lake Bacon, and then they were like, "Oh, you know, hippos are territorial and uh-huh. really hard to kill, and like so many, so many weekend warrior, like fishermen, would, hunters, whatever, would have died. died. So many people would have died. Oh my god! It's such a great thread. I I need to find it again. I'll send it to you. But yeah, it, it when they get into the fact that there's lake of Lake Bacon. So that when this happens, I was like, oh my God, there's river bacon, which is what I kept calling in my head because I can't get anything right. But yeah, I was just like, yeah, Lake Bacon. Um, Substantially less charming than that when it destroyed at least one raft. Yeah. And definitely killed some people. Killed several. Yeah. And when they're like, we got to patch this guy up. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. how. Like that is filled with, he is filled with hippo holes. Yeah. Don't, don't patch him up. Leave him. (laughs) <laughs> sacrifice him to the hippo gods and like move the fuck on yeah guys. just know just know that amanda's leaving your ass behind oh my god hippo wounds if you get hippo wounds i don't know that it's not like with zombies where he'll, he'll turn into a hippo after you've been bitten <laughs> i don't know how you make more hippos tusk. i'm not sure <laughs> i'm not sure what hippos are doing out there I just, to reproduce I, I mean i wouldn't mate with another hippo if i were a hippo <laughs> That is a risky endeavor. Okay, too dangerous. Mm-hmm. So I think that the only way that you make a, another hippo is probably by biting something. Oh, okay. And then it becomes so a hippo. So it's, it's a contagion. So any so of us get bit by a radioactive hippo yeah. and then you become... Hippos Hippo are turning... So what we're seeing, hippo proliferation is really just yeah. the alligators they've been chewing on morphing into hippopotami. Well, I think hippos... I think alligator, the crocodiles probably have a um, some sort of like a... Defensive Defense gene. mechanism. Yeah, the same okay. way that like a clownfish can get into a... You anemone. Know, anemone, thank you. Without being stung and poisoned. Got it, got it, got Same it. Same thing with immune. crocodiles and, yeah. Well, we need to remember this. We need to remember this. We can tell people this. Probably a geologist when yeah. uh, the hippo infestation uh, contagion happens that they need to go to the source code the source hippo. Of, uh, of the vaccine, mm. which is crocodiles. crocodiles. Yeah. Oh, So man. we've got that worked out. It's a great. I'm, what, I'm, I'm on board for this, this movie. What's this movie really about? Preparing for the hippo <laughs> contagion. That's what it is. So after we cross the river, yeah. it, losses are sustained from the hippo attack. Um, we arrive at the mountain. 
Laura Linney says, let's follow the gorilla. Yeah. And and sure enough. She gets us there. She takes them to a shrouded over uh, like stone castle structure. And as soon as Herkimer Homolka, just Tim Curry, just eating, eating this dialogue alive. As soon as he sees a face with eyeballs on it, he's like, she found it. This is the lost city of Zin. Yeah. That's the same eye. It's like, no, that's N-I, Herkimer. That is N-I on a, on a carved stone face. There's nothing particularly noteworthy about it. It doesn't have any special flourishes, but he, he knows. He, he knows. knows he's got his guide stone is in place. And then they start, of course, exploring Zinge. Terrible name for a city. If you're going to name a, a lost city something, don't name it Zinge. <laughs> Just don't. That's, uh, it's not a good way to go. Like, get something a little catchy. Yeah, name it Zed. Like I, that yeah. movie. I don't know. I liked Zinge, man. Really? I liked Zinge. I liked hearing Ernie Hudson say Zinge. I liked, well, I would like Ernie Hudson saying anything. Is yeah, what in I his British I accent. Like, in his, like, giving Idris Elba a run for his money. Yeah. Like, honey-soaked accent. Just so, I'm, like, like making so his much voice, like, confidence. a little lower than normal, too, to yep. make it just, like, really... Like molasses. Every line of dialogue was said with a tone that could have been said while leaning elegantly against like by Ernie a Hudson. mantle. Yes, by Ernie <laughs> Hudson. But like Ernie Hudson leaning yeah. elegantly against a mantle above a fireplace holding like a nice whiskey. Yeah. He, Every line of dialogue was delivered as if that were where he was delivering it from. Like faux British Ernie Hudson is so smooth that he has Amy smoking his cigars yeah. immediately upon meeting her. Yeah. He's just like, he's smoking one in a moment of extreme duress and he just hands it to her and she starts smoking. That and, gorilla. And fortunately, Assistant Richard goes, Amy, don't inhale. <laughs> so, you know what, Richard? Yes. you Your neurotic mom energy is perfect for this. Yeah. And speaking Where of- Where were you, Richard, by the way, when Amy had her first drink? <laughs> Like what? Oh yeah. The problem here, the problem here is the one cigar and not the fact that apparently she has a nickname for her, lem- for her martinis. Like <laughs> yeah. really? Very much a mama needs her juice moment. It was. It was a dependence. That was a tip off at dependency. That was, that was very, a very questionable moment. Like fine. Hiding the tranquilizer, the narcotics in the, in the bananas to get her to pass out, which uh-huh. they, they did several times, including when they had to abandon ship on the airplane. Oh uh, yeah. And Ernie Hudson had to strap a gorilla to his body. Yeah. And, they and knew then because Peter surely couldn't handle. Peter couldn't do that. Yeah. No. So and Ernie then, Hudson's like, I've got Amy. And so Ernie Hudson parachutes out of this airplane with an unconscious gorilla strapped to his chest. Yes. Which I really would have liked to have spent more time with that scene. Because yeah. I wanted, like, I didn't need to see her come because she wakes up during it. And he's like, yeah, she woke up during it. And I got the bite marks to prove it. Yeah. I don't need to see that. I do need to see Ernie Hudson, like, lofting the gorilla's unconscious yeah. body against his, strapping it in and making some sort of comment about it. Yeah. Like, I did need that, which I felt we were deprived of. <laughs> we were. They really just took it for granted that we didn't care about that when, like, definitely we would. Yeah. I, there was not... They they took for granted that we cared about any other character beyond Ernie Hudson and Laura Linney. There are such great... Lo- there, like, Ernie Hudson just has so many great lines in this movie, but one of my favorites is definitely when they're, like, sorting out border issues mm-hmm. with, I think, Zaire uh, military officials, and he's telling... He's giving Peter and uh, Karen the rundown of the conflict that's going to make this journey a lot harder. And he says, the 20th century sucks. Maybe the 21st will be better. And I was like, oh, Oh, dang. If you're out there, Monroe Kelly, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. The dream, the the dream didn't come true. No, but I did appreciate. Like, but it was a great line. Oh because yeah, because everything that he says is a great line. One of the other great lines in this movie is courtesy of an interaction with uh, Richard, mm-hmm. um, neurotic assistant Richard. When he, they're in Zinge, and he's sitting outside with one of like the the guards. And he's just trying to make nervous <laughs> small talk. And he's like, oh, what's your name? And the guy's just smoking and he's staring off in the middle distance and he just goes, Claude. And he's like, oh, Claude, that, that's, that's a very interesting name for someone from, where are you from? Mombasa. Oh, though, well, that's a very interesting name for someone from Mombasa. And he's like, have you ever been to Mombasa? <laughs> no. Then what do you know about it? And he just walks <laughs> away. And then you look at Richard and he just goes, I want to go home. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, that like he, his... Grant Heslov was so perfectly lived in for yeah. this character and has that death, his death. It's a brutal s- death. Scared the shit out of me yeah. when I was little and it scares me now. It's a brutal death. It is. Like, he he's so good at being frantic and terrified. He gets uh, spotted by one of the greys and then when the grey sees him, we cut to Karen and Peter and Monroe and a couple of their guys and they're like looking at the the glyphs on the wall trying to figure out where they are and like Herkimer wants to find the mine and then they get into this big cavernous kind of walkway and then they hear Richard screaming and he's got he has like a higher pitched voice when he screams and he's screaming just like help me help me and he comes like collapsing down those stone stairs yeah, just his body flailing. just like bounces yeah. down them and he comes running at them flailing full tilt, bleeding, screaming, help me, help me. He runs right into Peter's chest and he just keeps screaming like, let me go, let me go. And there's blood pouring down his face. And then basically he dies of sustained injuries, but also presumably scared himself to death because he's screaming help and let me go and then just collapses to the ground. I mean, he he definitely looked like his entire face had been flayed off, which is pretty brutal. Yes. Yeah. I am assuming that there were, there was at least one organ missing from his torso that we just didn't see. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was brutal, but also maybe the gorillas have some sort of like hypnotic power. Cause they can just scare people to death. Yeah. <laughs> we have now seen two gentlemen who were just, just, just died. And from, I think it's fear. or they rip off a head. Like it's one or the other. Either you sustain like no visible injuries beyond uh-huh. bloody face uh-huh. or you have no head. Yeah. 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 They, because when, when the, uh, the guard's head like comes bouncing. Yeah. After the them. attack gorilla confronts them after Richard's death. Yeah. They see down the hall there down this like hallway corridor. There is one of the attack gorillas and he's holding something cradled in his arm and he pitches it at them. And it's the severed head that they presumably just ripped clean off of one of the guards outside. Poor hits, Claude. Hits Herkimer right in the chest and falls to the ground. And then there's like a skirmish. They kill a gorilla. One comes out of nowhere, rips Ernie Hudson like skin off his face, but then he disappears. And then when they're, I think it's when they're, I don't remember if it's when they're walking through the structure at that time and they're getting out, but they find a pile of bones yeah. inside, inside Zinge. And they're like, oh, like what? And, and Peter's like, these are the bones of normal gorillas. And, you know, he picks it up. And he says, this one's skull was crushed, which is at the moment that you know that these gorillas are protecting the terrain, even from other gorillas. Or they're just bullies. Like, I don't. Right. I mean, I just got the sense that they were just killing other gorillas for, for the fun yeah, of it. Yeah. Like, they, yeah. They, I, didn't, I didn't think they were like protect. I, I never got the sense they were protecting. I was like, oh, in addition to being, they just are also like gorilla supremacists. But they also, but they also know their territory. Like, I think I, they are protecting insofar as they're protecting. That was a their lot of home. gorilla. That was a lot of gorilla bones for a territory. Because eventually the gorillas would probably, like, you, 
th- I'm just saying, I think these were gorillas who were going out and hunting other gorillas. Oh, you think they were leaving the I think the these premises. were gorilla, I think they're gorilla supremacists. <laughs> well, they're bred to be as such. As we yeah. learn from Herkimer, once the gang gets their camp set up outside of Zinge, they've got like the latest and greatest in military technology. Oh my God, that scene was fantastic. They they have set up a wire tripwire perimeter to like set off an alarm. With lasers. They have fucking a laser barrier. They have a remote controlled what it looks like. It was a motion, it was a motion sensor machine gun. Yeah. That it, basically it's, a, it's basically a Gatling gun that Dr. Karen Ross calls the most ridiculous thing. She calls it like an automatic pistol. And it's like, ma'am, there's nothing pistol no. about this Gatling gun that, that you that have goes set by up around. movement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they so they have like these infrared lights that they can beam out into the jungle. So once they're in the contained area, the the greys show up and they're testing the perimeter because they're smart. They're and raptors. They are. They're raptors. And once uh, the onslaught of gorillas dies down and they've been shot at by these motion-activated machine guns and they've sort of gotten a lay of the land, Herkimer comes out from his tent and he says that he has decoded the glyphs on the walls which say, we are watching you. And he is determined, I think it's from the, from glyphs, other glyphs on the wall that, uh, oh yeah, there, there are paintings, there are wall paintings that indicate to Peter, I forget which stage of their journey through the, the, like, facility palace. It's almost completely irrelevant where it is, it just happens. Yeah, Peter sees these wall paintings where he learns that, you know, Solomon's people, Solomon's, you know, people on the ground at this diamond mine have, they trained these gorillas. These greys are a one in a, a, a generation and a long lineage of gr- gorillas that have been bred, that were originally bred specifically for their aggressive traits. Yeah. And then that, so the aggressive gene is what has been propagated through generations and generations. And to express how many generations, King Solomon existed in like the mid 900s BC. Yeah, they've been, they've been doing this for like, 3,000 years, theoretically. Millennia. Millennia. I, so, my only, when I was like, well, I don't know necessarily, one, I don't know necessarily that they would still know karate in the way that these, like, I wanted to see the training classes to train new generations of gorillas, because I was very curious about that. Like, how did, because they weren't just like, oh, these are very ragey gorillas. No, they, they knew strikes and dodges. Right, sure. But you have, but you have... The generations, presumably, they were teaching, teaching each other. their generation, yes. the future generations. So that's what I'm saying. I want to see gorilla karate classes. Sure, yeah. I want to. That's like a special feature that that's I. That's what happens in those catacombs, right above the diamond, above like the stream and the little diamond bed. Yeah. No, I wanted to see that. I wanted to see that whole like missing section of the movie, <laughs> just like watching the gorillas fight each other and like practice fight. Basically, the opening scenes from Wonder Woman, but with gorillas. Yeah, that'd be cool. That's what I wanted. (laughs) And also not like in the name of self-defense and like self-betterment, but just like savage bloodthirsty. Oh, yeah. And these are are man-eating gorillas too. They seem to eat people. Well, it wouldn't wouldn't give them the opportunity. Yeah, they seem seem. You're not going to have lake bacon. But they might give the lake bacon a run for its money. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that they, I think the unstoppable force would be if they were riding on on the lake bacon. Yeah, that's like, that's like the fourth planet of the apes Oh, my God. The that. gray attack gorillas riding on hippopotami. I, I love this mental image. <laughs> I'm just gonna like luxuriate in that thought for a second, because gorillas freak me out. But gorillas on hippos is weirdly delightful. 
total nonsensical segue, but a friend of mine in college did once draw me a picture uh, while she's very inebriated. Sure. Of, uh, it was elephant toasters. Like to- toasters that are elephants? That are elephants that had elephant trunks and tails. That's adorable. Fighting oh. a, a tribe of nacho people. Mm-hmm. Nacho <laughs> warriors. So there was a, it was a drawing of, of toasters with trunks yeah, and, tails. and tails. They were holding large logs in their trunks. Sure. And they were headed straight toward, basically, they look like, like Doritos. Doritos. In loincloths, holding bows and arrows. <laughs> the loincloth is what really makes it. I was presented with this drawing the day after it was made because a group of my friends had gotten really, I think it had been a mix of like Adderall and alcohol and it was the end of the night and they decided that I they needed to draw me uh, mm, a beautiful art. mural and it was really kind. And so I was presented the next day with a stitched together series of like taped six, eight and a half by 11 pieces of paper that all had different drawings this on them. This is probably the best outcome of that combination yeah. of stimulants it really was because and it wasn't even like it wasn't like an it was spur of the moment like they made this for me i wasn't there i didn't no, see it they happening just, in your honor and then the next night when we were hanging out again having dinner they're like we made you something last night that's amazing yeah so that's that's where that's where hi- gorillas on hippos takes me that i, I see nacho I can, people nacho fighting versus the elephant, elephant toasters. toasters yeah fair totally reasonable another th- i would watch that movie <laughs> yeah absolutely that's, i would watch that's that a netflix sci-fi. animated series it's probably a sci-fi channel movie. yeah this sounds like it could be a crazy anime oh my god yeah like this is possible but yeah but yes back to the congo i guess our our expeditionists find their way actually to the mine yes which is really also where they keep all where they house all the gorillas which was an interesting yeah, choice it is their home so well that's the place they need to that's the place they need to protect they need to not I mean, let people have the diamonds. That's where they were bred. But you could like be in the outside and then there could be an entrance to the mine. <laughs> I'm <laughs> just they saying have like to be over. They have to be with the diamonds. Because I, they, I, they cannot. I, I respect their use of space. It was very <laughs> economical. I understand it. It was a really poorly run mine because I will tell you like <laughs> you shouldn't be able to walk into a mine and like find a 30 carat diamond on the ground. Wow. And that is a hundred percent what he did. Yeah. Like he picked up those diamonds that he was picking up were 30 to 50 carats. Well, and as they, as we learn, I think from Herkimer or Peter, um, the gorillas, like the reason Solomon's minds like went defunct in this case, zinge, uh, is because the gorillas turned on their masters. Which so I, who knows what was the, what stage of the mining operation they were in when the gorillas decided one day they went all muja. Yeah. And then they just, fucking laid waste to the men in the mines. But again, that takes me back to like a point that for me was a little bit of a sticking point, like that no one mythologically knows about the mine filled with killer gorillas. Yeah. Like that wasn't a, that does, that rumor doesn't get out. Mine filled, magical mine (laughs) hidden in the Congo, but they don't remember that asterisk of like guarded by killer gorillas, which to be fair, when you talk about myths, mm-hmm. if anything's going to last, oh, it's going to be the killer gorilla part. Like and we've got Hades being guarded by yes. a three-headed dog. Yeah, that lasts for hundred for thousands of years. Yes, man-eating right. killer gorillas who know karate. Well, the, the, like obviously the city's been found because, like they say, it's the hidden city of Zinj. It's nobody's ever found it before. People have obviously found it, but they've been killed by the gorillas. Yeah, but it is crazy that Herkimer 
who seems to know everything about this, as we were saying, he hasn't even expressed a fringe theory. Because there was they nothing he's like, about. oh, and they said, according to legend, it was yeah. guarded by gray warriors. Yeah, like, there exactly. wasn't even that. No, no. And he, like, they get, they touch on non-sequitur style, like, the myth of the killer gorilla, like, when they're, they're, like, kind of hating on Amy, and... When Amy is having, a, was freaking out on the airplane. And, and then drinking a martini. Yeah. And Peter's like, hey, that's, you know, don't perpetuate bad stereotypes about gorillas. And they're like, well, there's the myth of the killer gorilla. And I'm thinking like King Kong. Yeah. Like that's that's what I'm thinking. But apparently he has not heard in any way, not even some back page of some kook history book about the, well, there could be this one reason that no one's found the mine is because these race of killer gorillas yeah. are taking people out as soon as they enter into it. No, that is that. And I think that goes hand in hand with the fact that they nobody knows where this mine is, despite the right. fact once you get inside the actual mine, it is open air. Yeah. It is a large hole in the ground and that no one has been like, oh, that's allegedly the site of X. That was kind of crazy. Right. But again, which would, like, again, clearly planes are flying over this area. It is like, yeah. it's not developed, but, but like. there are planes in the area. Yeah. And presumably people familiar, locals, people familiar with the geography, those. Yeah. Those of Congo and surrounding countries that might be making air passes over this would be like, oh, legend has it that that's what that is, but it's super dangerous. Or people would have already been in there stripping, stripping it and like taking out gorillas with fucking bunker busters. Yeah. To get in there and take those diamonds. And again, just don't buy like that. The only the only thing that I was like, I just can't is that the idea that absolutely no one knew about the prospect of there being gorillas. Yeah. The, okay. That was so like, that blindsided even the most knowledgeable people. I mean, cause okay. What's his name makes it all the way, despite being scared half to death and in a comatose state makes it fairly far. Richard. So, uh, no other one. Um, you were like, it's that actor who you couldn't believe didn't have any dialogue except to scream. Oh, John Hawks, John Hawks, John Hawks. So John Hawks. So he makes it from the site of the mine. Oh, yeah. To a fairly long distance away when yeah. he is discovered by the um, of questionable accuracy tribe yes. who is just praying over him and like giving us this weird kind of like like it's a weird it's a weird part of the movie given how little the movie deals otherwise with like tribes of the forest. Yes. It is a weird moment when the when the ghost tribe or yes. whatever is just praying and doing like a loud dance over him. Um, I felt very bad for all the extras who had to be covered in flour yeah, in order to do this. We can't speak to the uh, amount of research that may or may not have gone into rendering the accuracy of, of this, the, of this particular yeah. indigenous people. So, But he makes it a fairly long distance because that does happen before the hippo. Yeah, so you're right. He makes it a ways, which again means that there are people escaping the gorillas. Right. And not a single person from any of these tribes yeah. is like, dude, don't go over there. I know there's diamonds, man, but there's also killer gorillas. Right. Well, they're, they're, they're scaring the, them to death. Or that none of the traders back in the day were talking to a guy who worked at the mines. And the guy mm -hmm. at the mines like, you will not believe how we protect this mine. Yeah. Like, that is, yeah. The, Legend that is, passed down from generation that to generation. That is how those, those rumors get spread is from the security, like the, the mine worker being like, oh, man. Yeah, no, my day at the mine was terrible. One of the gorillas just lost his shit. And then yeah, so and his friend would be like, wait, one of the gorillas? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What? It does seem like it would have perpetuated in in more drawings than just the ones on the inside of the, yeah. the, the temple walls. Yeah, there should have been a rumor somewhere. <laughs> it's all 
that's just my that's like my one thing i i also i mean that was really where that was the only thing i think that i truly had issues with uh-huh. i mean in, the, in a movie about a talking gorilla right. the only thing i had an issue with was like why didn't more people know about the killer gorilla yeah which is pretty good yeah i i i remember so vividly being like wonderstruck by the mind the first time I watched this movie like it about has the, what the crystalline stream in it and it's got those little steaming like, oh yeah it does have the fumaroles yeah. and what are they fumaroles fumaroles that's what it's got and there are diamonds mm. in the the red soil truly it's magical I, I mean it looks like a special spa and I remember <laughs> thinking it was so cool and then watching it like I'd, I'd watched it many times since then but watching it again it's been the first time in a while to refresh for this it was like oh I remember how cool that is yeah and it does like there's somehow the most like budget sense of majesty about it and I really miss I like th- I had this thought when, when we're in the opening scene with Bruce Campbell and then very much so again in the the mind scene of I so miss those times when like compelling like meant to be blockbustery movies like this were on sets that were so clearly closed sets. Oh yeah, like that. Like feel, oh, we're not we're not even bothering to go to, to go to the Red Rock for, to Red Rock National Park. Yeah, for this no, one. that just feel like Disney park attractions, like yeah. really high dollar Disney park attractions. But they just like the way the air looks in them, like yeah. there, you can tell it's a limited space. I miss that so much. I miss that movie magic feeling. Oh, I mean, of the soundstage jungle. Everything about it looked and felt like it was a planet from Star Trek. Oh yeah, I yeah. just that was great. I enjoyed that when they. I liked when they um, are trying to escape. So after they. Amy defeats the gorillas by yelling at them. Yes. Which I think was really fascinating. Peter Peter gets taken down by a gorilla and Amy rushes in at the last moment to save him. The greys are about to siege him and probably eat him. And she growls really loud yeah. at them. And then she starts yelling, bad gorillas, ugly gorillas. Yes. Which apparently hurts their feelings. And she, as she is cradling Peter to her chest saying like, mother, mother. So presumably, I think they would have killed Amy because clearly they've killed many gorillas in the past. But I guess because she is like staking her maternal claim to this man, they're like, oh, well, I guess we can't touch her because she's gorilla. he's gorilla property. But again, I think they would have just fucking killed them both. They would have just yeah. caved in the skulls of both Amy and Peter. So that my point, my, my, my point of deliberation on that is like, on the one hand, maybe they're like, wow, this is our supreme, like none of them deferred to her yeah. in a way that like, oh, okay, yeah. she's their leader now. Yeah. It more every moment when Amy would speak with her machine on. Yeah. Every time she did that, I, I just immediately was like, oh, that's what I looked like my first day of public school. <laughs> Wait, had you been at private school yes. and then you. And then I went to public school and then I, and I was like, are you making fun of us public school? No, kids, no, I'm yeah, making fun. Yeah, you know, this is specifically Beverly Hills public school. It was just, it was that's more the fact that's that. That's basically private that's school. No, no. Uh, a girl that I was friends with came to my parents' house, looked at my bedroom and went, did you read all these books? From the public school? Yes. Not in a like, wow, you own this many books. It was Beverly Hills Public School. She was just thought that they were decorations. Oh. My point being here that it was more the like, I went for like, oh, okay, weird kid. <laughs> that is my point. My point is not the post. It was, oh no, weird kid. What are you doing? Like you were the weird kid. I was the weird okay. kid. That's what I'm saying about, like, thank you. Give me credit here. This is not me talking I, about how awesome I am. I know, I was, I was not sure what to make of it. If if it's a situation in which I'm telling an anecdote about my childhood, <laughs> the punchline always is, and I was a 
fucking weird kid. <laughs> and so Amy, when Amy sees the, so they're like in the middle of the jungle, they're doing the trekking thing. This is like halfway through the movie and Amy sees gorillas for the first time and she starts signing at them being like, hi, so I'm Amy. How are you guys? What's your favorite, me- what's your favorite constellation? <laughs> Which is, I imagine what she would have said because that's probably what I said my first day of school. Right. And she, the gorillas just look at her and then just like turn and walk away oh and she like hangs her head and she, and she hang- looks so sad and alone and it was odd I was like oh yeah that was me in public school <laughs> like just a weird That's kid so completely ill-equipped to be around normal people <laughs> And so, yeah, when when at the end, when she just is expressing her dominance with yes. her ability to speak and all the grays are like, uh, no, we're not. I almost feel like it was more that moment like, oh, this is like, yeah, you, OK, weird. Like, yeah, it would be the same okay, thing as crazy if, as if you were about to get in a fight with somebody and instead you start screaming just, at yeah. the top of your lungs. Yeah. You're like, whoa, this guy is insane. Yes. Yes. Like just f- scare them yeah. off with being insane. But fortunately, we never for, for Amy, because she probably would have died. Instead, a <laughs> the volcano starts to erupt. Yes. The volcano which has been threatening. So this whole thing is taking place on a volcano. We yeah. haven't even it's been so ancillary to the plot. Yeah. That we a movie about dis- a, a book. Uh, what are we a podcast Podcast. a podcast about disasters (laughs) a book a movie a television show all those things five seasons in a movie disaster girls right um a a podcast about disaster movies we haven't even mentioned no that this is on an active volcano they set it up at the very beginning when when dr karen ross is about to go to the congo and her boss is like the the big problem is geothermal yeah but then like there are quakes every once in a while but that's like it's just to remind us like and don't forget we mentioned that volcano yeah and then it does. It goes. It, and then suddenly it just erupts. Yeah. And not just like a little bit, but really, I mean, and probably hasn't erupted in 3,000 years. Right. Yeah. Which is a very long time. Yeah. No, this has been storing up some pressure. Yeah. That's and, a very long time for, like, at that point, that volcano is dormant. Yeah. You assume that thing's not going, but then all of a sudden... <laughs> And that the the gorillas all just jumping into the lava. Oh, which that was, was heartbreaking. Was both heartbreaking and also kind of hilarious to watch. Well, there. So there. The order of operations here is that yeah. Um, Peter and Amy are interfacing with the attack gorillas, and she, he's protecting her. Meanwhile, Monroe and Karen are in the diamond geode mm, at the yes. end of the mine, where she sees a big fucking diamond. And the laser is in there because she finds Charlie's body. At that moment, she realizes, shit, Charlie's dead. But he has the laser with him. The gorillas presumably drug his body in there. There's a shit ton of human bones. That's where they take the bodies to let them rot. She pulls the diamond out of his withering hand. She puts it in the laser. And there, she's like, we're going out that way. And Monroe's like, how? Like, he goes, what about the gorillas? And she goes, put them on the endangered species list. <laughs> and then starts just cutting them down with a piece. with a fucking laser it was at, at that moment i was like oh my god laura linney has a lightsaber yes which no, was really the culmination did. of a dream i did not know i had no she absolutely has a lightsaber and then what is the second amazing thing that she says oh yeah the when she shoots them and the lasers like cutting these things in half and monroe goes what is that and she goes the latest thing in communications <laughs> And you're like, God, it just doesn't stop with you, icon Laura Linney. <laughs> and then, and then as they are, they're cutting down, she's cutting down girls left and right with her lightsaber laser guy. She get, they get Peter and Amy, they start running out. And then as they're running out, that is when the lava starts bursting out of the ground inside, inside this catacomb diamond mine area. And meanwhile, Herkimer, a little while ago was 
beat to death by yeah. the gorillas. Nobody really made much of an effort to save him. I, they, they just let that happen. Yeah, they were fine with that. But as our heroes are running out, the the catacombs are filling with lava, and then the the gorillas just like their their watches ended, and they just start throwing themselves and shoving each other into lava and it was like shit they are like scabbing and bleeding and shitty looking and they look horror like like they're dying and i'm sure they see the sweet relief of death in this lava filling up their home and they're like finally we don't have to live these like incestuous insane brutal lives anymore welcome darkness and then the grays just throw themselves in just plummeting one after the other lemmings to the slaughter you really read a lot more into it than it i did which so was that they sad. didn't know what to do with the gorillas and so they just have them start jumping it is so sad that is well now it is yeah <laughs> it's, they just they were bred that way it's like getting mad at pit bulls because they were bred to bred to violence and calling them bad dogs they're not bad dogs they weren't bad gorillas they were made into bad gorillas and so it makes me sad that suicide was their only way out <laughs> And they couldn't be socialized. They couldn't run. No, I mean you're right. There's no, there's no, there's like, no life for the rehabilitation for the gorillas. No, man. Yeah, no. They've they've already they've alienated all the other gorillas. Yeah, killed a lot of them. Yeah. So the gorillas are committing suicide, and our heroes is, get out. I honestly, like, that right there is the episode description. So the gorillas are committing suicide. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> the heroes get out. And then they, they get to a safe distance pretty quickly. And then we see Amy reunite with the silverback gorilla that was previously intimidating Peter. Hold on. But we're missing entirely the fabulousness of the sequence of them running through <laughs> yeah. the city of Zinj as it is being broken apart. And yeah. it is, again, going back to that sort of that idea of the closed set. You can just basically, oh, like, yeah. there's something so great about these large The rafts. animatronic rocks yeah. coming up from the ground. Yes. The rocks suddenly like just spear up out of the ground entire yeah. rafts of rock just like tilt at a 45 degree <laughs> yeah. angle and you can just see all the hydraulics underneath yeah. as like they're these poor the, these poor actors have to just run and jump over things and you know fight for their lives and also somebody's in a gorilla suit because all of the gorillas are made by humans these aren't animatronics yeah, these, these are, are all people, people in gorilla, gorilla suits. suits to their credit great jobs by all of them yeah yeah, yeah, I thought the humans and gorilla suits was the way to go. I which it never is not, took me out of John it. John Patrick Shanley disagrees because he is a fool. Yeah, clearly because I never watching this then and watching it now did I feel like oh man this no. this gorilla puppetry is really breaking me down here. No, no, no. It was it was exactly right in its context the entire movie as far as reality indexing go. I think they did a great. Job. Yeah, I was they, I was they right they on board. Certainly surpassed. I think the alternative in that exact era is Jumanji. Yeah. Which like was a cool thing to see as a kid. But like even then it was like that's an animatronic lion. Like it looked like machinery. Mm -hmm. These just look like animals. Yeah. And they're fucking primates. Like, And they're also not real gorillas. They're like weird hybrid yes. like inbred gorillas. Yes. That guard a diamond mine. Yes. I think we're fine guys. Yes. I think we're fine. John Patrick Shanley like not everything has to have the accuracy of Joe versus the volcano. Yeah. <laughs> You set a high bar, man. You did it to yourself. <laughs> I did. So what's our, our heroes get out? Amy finds her gorilla people. Yeah. And they take her in. The ones who had previously scoffed at her. Yes. And yeah. they, they, they realize that she's one of them. And so she leaves Peter. And again, true to Peter form, just so fucking dense. She gets all the way over to the gorillas. She's a far distance from him. Karen and Monroe get to him and they're looking at her and they're like, oh, she's found like her gorilla companions. And he's like, I see. 
<laughs> I see now. It's like, you yeah. just see now? Did this is exactly what you brought her here for. You didn't understand when she left you just now and walked to the gorillas that she she had not found her companions? Like, what the fuck did you think she was doing? Like, going to say bye to them? Yeah. No, so not to get too into what is this really about, but... It just tells you like he got what he wanted, but what he wanted wasn't the, he didn't know truly like (laughs) the idea he had of what this would be was not, he had not thought it all the way through beyond I'll be a hero and release the gorilla to the wild without realizing like, oh, but she'll replace me. Yep. Immediately. Immediately. Because she's a gorilla and that is what they do. And this movie has such an amazing finish. They go up in this basically like weather balloon. Hot, in an emergency hot air balloon. In an emergency hot air balloon that initially Karen Ross scoffs at and was like, we don't need a balloon. Well, of course they need a balloon. They need to get out of the like erupting region of the of the, the Virunga region, I believe, yes, of the Virunga. Conga. And um, so they're going up. And oh, no, before they go up, Karen hooks up to a satellite link to, yeah. to Travacom, to her boss. And she's she's like, hey... You know, I found Charlie. He's dead. And he's like, did you find it? And she's like, well, yeah. He's like, did you find the diamond? And then she just very calmly, like, it's perfect. It's very calm. She's so cool in that moment. You see it from his perspective inside his giant, like, comms Mm -hmm. HQ. And she just goes, yes. Like, with that, like, clipped S at the end. And you kind of hear it echo in his quiet room. And then for the second time in the movie, a man tells her, good girl. Yeah, well, (laughs) because she's like Amy. Yeah. She's like Amy. And she tells him, she's like, I told you. Yeah, what did I tell I, you? That I, yeah, what did I tell you? If I thought you sent me here for some diamond and not for Charlie, that I would make you sorry. And so she then says like, what if I punch the satellite's phone number yeah. into the laser? A, I a don't, reasonable question to ask. I The satellite has a phone number. Satellite, yeah. Satellite has a phone number. So she puts the phone number into the laser that she now has powered, not with like diamond dust, but like a giant goddamn diamond. Yeah, with a a 30 carat blue diamond. Yeah, that she has shoved into this laser, making it fully operational. And as he is screaming, as Jodon Baker is screaming at her not to do this, she just hits a button, sends a laser beam straight up into a extremely, presumably important communication satellite and blows it up. Yeah. Just blows it up, which immediately cuts their comms link to one another. Jodon Baker is screaming and she's like satisfied going over to her emergency hot air balloon. And as they're lifting off, she pulls the diamond like out of the laser. And this was this red is very believable to me in the process that it happened. She looks at Peter and goes, Peter, can you throw this over for me? And he just grabs it and chucks that gargantuan diamond over and absolutely, of course, man of principles and ideals, Peter, will without batting an eye throw, huck that fucking diamond off to the side. And meanwhile, I was sitting there being like, can someone just give it to Ernie Hudson? All I want, I was like, that is a very, that he will not have to lead a life of adventure beyond if he wants to with that diamond. He will not have to run white people into danger zones. Give him the fucking diamond that he earned. Give him the, give him the diamonds that he can go have his buddy comedy, a bite of sesame with that general. Like, give me that story. Give me that situation. I want their backstory. I want their origin story. But then like, like, let them have a sitcom where where the two of them both moved to like Chicago and decide to open up like a, a pie restaurant. Sure. And they have to like learn. It's sort of a odd couple situation <laughs> uh, because that's a very like 
It was a selfish ass thing to do to presume that the third person in the hot air balloon did not maybe want did not maybe want the like I get that you're taking a stand here, Doctor Karen Ross, and I, Peter, I get that you need you have no need of worldly things, as he tells us. There is no earlier in the movie when she offers him a lot of money to fund his expedition so she can tag along and get to the Congo. I'm not a pound. I'm not for. I don't have a price. I'm not a pound of sugar. I'm a primatologist. The man can't be bought. Wow. And so he throws a diamond over the edge, like a fist sized diamond. And Monroe just goes blue diamond. Monroe just goes, ouch. Yeah. Cause yeah. 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 Cause Monroe's like, I'm glad you two have your principles. Some of us need to pay off our child's college tuition. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he absolutely has a child at Oxford that he has to pay the tuition. I don't know if you have to pay tuition in Oxford. I would assume you don't, but like presumably he has at least right. a few. This guy's like, Peter's going to go back and continue his tenured professorial mm-hmm. life. Probably Karen is working. Well, she lost her job, but she's been working for a huge telecommunications firm at like a senior level. Mm-hmm. She's got enough to coast for a little while. And this guy's running people yeah. through Zaire in the Congo. Give him the goddamn diamond. That is, a. I mean, okay. Diamond, a blue diamond. That's not just like tens of millions of dollars. We're talking a diamond like that. hundred million dollars. Yeah, like I mean, I'm I I am saying that there was no, re- it was not believable. There was no reason that in that mine, everybody wouldn't have at least grabbed one diamond. To put I mean, in their just pocket. put like they're sitting loose on the ground. They're just all there. Just yeah. take one. Just take one. Like I, this I is like Maggie like, Grace at the end of Hurricane Heist. Just I take a bag. Fault Herkimer for loading his arms. Oh yeah. My only fault with him was like, dude, put them in your pocket. You have Leave a bag. Your hands. You have oh, a yeah. satchel. Put you, be just more. Be more resourceful with yeah. stuff them down your pants if you have to. Yeah, you've waited your whole life, man. But just like don't have armloads of them. That's you're gonna need to grapple. Yeah, like, yeah. like go from the at this point, you've seen a lot of killer apes. Mm-hmm. You might want to have your hands free. So I feel like we've reached the end of our reality index. Yeah, I do want to shout out before we go the incredible moment when Laura Linney is being asked whether or not Monroe's like, so you work for the CIA? And she's like, I never worked for the CIA. He says, of course you didn't. She, he's like, you would, you know, if you. You wouldn't have. I don't remember the, what the exact lead-in is um, about her not working at the CIA anymore. But she goes, "Cause they're a loveless bunch of sons of bitches." Yes. And hearing Laura Linney call the CIA a loveless Love- bunch of sons of bitches, it's like make it a ringtone. Yeah. Like I, I want to hear that every day. I want to like what happened there. Yeah. <laughs> How did I? What's I want that prequel? What happened in Utah? What happened in Utah? <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> All right. So then that brings us into what was this what movie, is this really, movie about? really about? Okay. And this was a tough one for me. I don't know about for you. I Well, I feel like as we've gone through this conversation, you know, I feel like it's about chosen family. Okay. That's what I feel like this movie's about. Interesting. And I feel like those, those grays were never given a choice. They were forced into a life of brutality, servitude until they rose up. Uh-huh. But then they, they didn't have the higher set of skills to break out of their ingrained patterns of abuse and so they lived tormented millennia of, <laughs> of basically seemingly becoming necrotic while still alive and just killing and killing and killing until finally they were given the opportunity to end their lives in suffering instead of running to freedom. And then you have Amy, uh, a girl without a country, really, mm-hmm. who was taken from her mountainside home as a baby gorilla and then raised by Peter for seven years. And as we see when she is rejected by the gorillas, Laura Linney looks at her and goes, she doesn't belong anywhere, does she? And Peter goes, she belongs here. But we don't know that. Yeah. This has been her adopted family. They, The humans were, were always there for her. And in, in moments, the gorillas weren't 
until the end when everybody came around and got on the same page. But then she found her way back to her gorilla community. And these were not her family. She does not know these gorillas. But in the end, they took her in because they knew that she needed a place to go and thrive and be her true self. And so I... And, you know, then we have our ragtag group of survivors, Monroe and Peter and Karen in the hot air balloon. Yeah. You know, a, a unit in and of the, a unit unto themselves by the end. And so I'm, that's what I'm going to go with. The power of chosen family as demonstrated to us by particularly guerrilla communities in the movie <laughs> Congo. I like that. Yeah, I, I do really like that's, that. That's what I'm feeling is, is a truth right now. Okay. I like that. I, for me, it. Again, going the only place we could really dive into the what is this really about was with the subtext of the gorillas themselves. Like yeah. that was really it. That was where that was, if you will, what you could mine. <laughs> um, and I had something kind of similar, actually, which for me, it was really about Amy's. This movie was about Amy's growth uh-huh. and sort of um, to me, it was almost a maturation. It was about the maturation from like your teenage years into adulthood. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so it kind of starts out with Amy and this very like father daughter, yeah. maybe a little bit mu- like husband wife. Yeah. Very almost like unhealthy first relationship oh, in a lot yeah. of ways. That's a lot of a lot of, it a felt lot like, of layers. It felt like a very unhealthy first relationship yeah. where he like he knows what's best for her. Uh-huh. And yeah, this is what she needs. She needs to go back to the Congo. This is what she's he taught her words and then he like kind of just is the whole time gas like not gaslighting isn't the way I, <laughs> the word I want to use here. Peter's gaslighting uh, Peter's Amy. Gaslighting Amy. Giving her building an alcohol dependency. He is kind of, like he's building an alcohol dependency. <laughs> he's introducing her to these new situations where she, he is the only person she can rely upon. Oh yeah, you're like, right. Like there's a lot of Ooh. aspects to it where I'm like this is not a healthy relationship for Amy in uh-huh. a way that it isn't a problem for Peter. Ah, uh, yeah, and that's so true. that's what I thought. There is was, an inherent imbalance. There was power. a power imbalance to it. That I thought was really Makes interesting. Really tricky. Yeah. So it was almost like a, a younger girl with an older boyfriend to mm-hmm, me in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he kept on. He, he was very. He very much cared about her, but also there's a very patronizing kind yes. of quality to the way that he cared about yeah. her. And then like we start to see Amy mature, where suddenly like not only is Peter not her only kind of ally mm-hmm. and even the internalized misogyny of when she meets and is threatened by Laura Linney. Yeah. She really does. She, and calls ugly, ugly woman. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he says she gets very jealous. About, the yeah. first time we see her experiencing another, another female presence. He, she's very possessive and yeah. bitchy and Which, mean. Just like a teenage girl who's threatened by an older boyfriend mm. who's constantly like, I mean, you know, I, yeah, you know, you're not Shit. like the other girls I've dated. Yeah. yeah. You know, you just like, yeah. that's what this is. So then as Amy starts to grow and mature and starts to develop her own independence and we first see it when she like sees the other gorillas but she gets rejected by them Uh and he's immediately instead of being like, Amy, it's cool. Here's some ways that we can build on what you have. He's like, she wasn't right for this. We shouldn't have done this. I don't know why I brought her out here. Instead of being, he immediately starts to see the potential that she has to grow and he wants to pull back on it. Yeah, he does. And then, and it is shocking to him when she does grow on it. He doesn't actually see that as you said, as a potential, as a, as a possibility. And so then when, Later on, she then starts to become a guide and then she turns around and she eventually flips the relationship entirely by the end. Yep. Where she's now mothering him. Yep. Um, and that's sort of like that moment when you realize like, oh, my boyfriend kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, she man. doesn't like she doesn't linger at the end when she's leaving. No. Peter. She's just like she gives him a bye. flower and is like deuces. Yeah. Like they're they hug. I found like, a, I found a hot ass silverback. Yeah. It's like true. she doesn't just find a gorilla. Yeah. She finds a silverback. And as Peter she, notes, handsome fella. Handsome fella. Yeah, he is. And she 
she basically went from like her shitty dirtbag high school boyfriend <laughs> to she goes off to college, her shitty dirtbag high school boyfriend. Yeah. Like goes to a party school. She goes off to college. She meets this RA and suddenly she's like, <laughs> sorry, man. And he's, he's, he is, he's he, and just like, He's going to talk philosophy and he's jacked yeah, he's and he jacked. does CrossFit. Yep. And shitty high school boyfriend's still like, no, we're, I, I can make you your natty, your natty light green drop drink. Yeah. He wants to, he just wants to read her bad poetry. Yeah. His which, bad poetry. Which he does to Laura Linney and she doesn't fall for it. No. In the airplane. <laughs> but yeah. So my idea is that like, like my feeling is kind of that this is about that maturation that girls go through from like their mm-hmm. teenage into their young, their, their young adult years. Isn't it though? Yeah. God. And that also ties in with the idea of chosen family. So I like that because as you start and to you're move right. away from like, once the you family, go off to college yeah. and you're building your own community. Yeah. I think we found it. I think we have. Honestly. <laughs> I think we found it. We, we found the truth in Congo. And I, I do, I, I do have like, this so goes in line with like that shitty boyfriend, like the, the, it's, he's the, he's the kind of person where it's like, no, your friends don't like him, but your defense of him is, well, he's not a bad person. Yeah, like that's really the only well. criteria. Yeah. And then like when Laura Linney is on the phone with her boss, like a satellite link up mm-hmm. and him and Amy go tearing around playing, she knocks down, like they both recklessly knock yeah. down the satellite communications device. And he goes, Oh, I'm terribly sorry. And she's just like, yeah, it's fucking broken and it probably cost millions of dollars. Oh, yeah. And like, do we have another one? I don't know. Like, I'm glad you're terribly sorry. You're so sorry. But this could have been our lifeline that gets our ass out of here should a crisis come up. Yeah. You douche. And all you've got is, oh, I'm terribly sorry. Do we have proof that Laura Linney didn't put the leech on his dick just as revenge? We we do not. And I'm not ruling that out. I mean, I would have done that. And that when she looked like when he has the leech on 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 him and yeah. she looks, she's like, need a hand with that? Just the patronizing <laughs> oh, of that. so good. I would love for Laura Linney to patronize me. <laughs> I would love to be patronized to by Laura Linney. Just step on my hear. Step on my throat, Laura Dern. Step patronize on- me, <laughs> Laura yeah. Linney. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I think that brings us then to Dreamcasting. Yeah, let's honestly, do some fancy I, casting. I, I, I'm leaving it. I mean, fair. Totally I'm fair decision. It. We have Joe Don Baker. We have Bruce Campbell. We have John Hawks in a throwaway role. We have throwaway role of Mary Ellen Trainer and Stuart Pankin watching like, yeah. the gorilla presentation. When that, when that happened, I saw her and I was like, well, I know those people. Oh, yeah. It's it's incredible. We have Peter Jason. We have, you know, Ernie Hudson, James Karen. Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. I, you know, I don't even, I, I'll give Ansel and Miles a week off la- this time since they were so heavily <laughs> wow. featured. Because otherwise we can throw them in a gorilla. So we can make them a couple of the grays. I, I Pitching thought themselves gonna, into the lava at the very end. I thought that one of them was going to end up being like. Miles would have been Herkimer. I thought, I was going to say, I was, I was expecting one of them to be Herkimer and one of them to be Robert. I'm genuinely surprised. I guess the split would be probably. Or Robert and Bruce Campbell. Like I thought that that was going to be. Robert would have been in this in the scenario in which they make it in the movie. Robert would have been Miles Teller, and Ansel Elgort would have been like the too slick Harkum yeah. or Hamulka. Okay, so I did cast this. Okay, book. let's hear it because I kind of got. I was like, uh, I mean, it is a perfectly cast movie, but um, and what an on- it's a huge ensemble. <laughs> great, huge. I did not do all of them this time, partly yeah, because if I were remaking this movie, I would probably narrow it down a little bit. Like, you don't need the guy who stamps the passports, the kind of slick dude. He's so. He's so great, but like we don't need him. Uh-huh. There's so many other. There's so many red shirts, but all, yeah. not just red shirts, but also like, well, why are you there? Yeah, like, a lot of people said yes to this movie. It's yeah. very impressive. They uh, they just kept being like, well, we'll just load up the cast some more. <laughs> Everyone's getting a free trip to Hawaii. Um, 
Okay, so uh, Dr. Karen Ross, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Mitchell. Oh man, I can never. I'll never. You'll never I'll say, never no, say to no to Elizabeth, Elizabeth Mitchell. Mitchell. Oh but my yeah. God! And the the kind of authority figure yeah. that a Mich- Elizabeth Mitchell can be would like she'd break my heart the entire movie. Yeah, I would just like I I feel so protective of Elizabeth Mitchell. I don't know. I don't know this woman. Don't you want to see Elizabeth Mitchell kicking open an airplane door? And I do. shooting flares. I do, and and pursing her mouth in that specific yeah. way that she does. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay, Ernie Hudson. Only person who has as good of a smile and is as smooth as, as Ernie Hudson in this movie, Mahershala Ali. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's fire. That's a good casting, He's right? just fire. Okay. Pete, Dr. Pete. Uh-huh. I wanted someone with that hair, uh-huh. but much more likable. <laughs> um, but I wanted to keep that like soft, like gushy center. Yeah. Went Dev Patel. Oh my God. The hair. The hair's perfect, but then wow. also like I can see him as an idealist and kind of a hopeless like. Yeah, this is the would, right thing to do, and like maybe instead of it he being becomes like, his character from the newsroom. Yeah, where he just like this is what he's gonna do. In this situation, I think that instead of him like being like we're gonna get take the gorilla home, he smuggles her out, and that's how he ends up with Herkimer. That makes much more sense. Yeah, that like he secretly he's like come on Amy, and he like dresses her up in a wig and sneaks her, and he's like. <laughs> pretty and he's like yes Amy you're very pretty just be quiet for a second right yeah and Amy also like the to go to your what's this movie about Amy also very concerned with her looks very concerned with appearance just very like, much I am. finds her value in her in yeah. her appearance and which like more confidence than I ever had at 15 yeah yeah so good for Amy because she looks like a gorilla and I look like a cute 15 year old <laughs> but um so then Herkimer would be Benedict Cumberbatch oh, okay because okay. I want someone like slimy but also like I think that he'd have a lot of fun with it yeah 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 yeah, he'd go hammy on that one. Um, and the only other one, and I would probably beef up the part a little bit, uh, for Texelon Musk. Oh, yeah, for uh, D- Joe yeah. Don Baker's part. Yeah. Um, the head of Travicom. Pa- uh, Robert Patrick. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I'd make him a little bit more of an antagonist. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and then, like, whoever wants can be a gorilla. Like, I want, like, Ali Wong as a gorilla. <laughs> of course, Bill Hader, after he's come off of his success playing. In Boar. Yeah, in Boar. Yeah. Bill Hader can be there. Anybody I mean, Daniel who Craig, wants, he was a great secret storm. I was going to say, Daniel Craig was one. Like, anybody who wants to be a gorilla, come be a gorilla in my movie. Sure. Let's do this, guys. Um, but yeah, that's really, that's the cast, the core right there. I was excited about the Elizabeth Mitchell, Mahershala Ali, Dev Patel trio. I'm very in excited a, about in a hot Elizabeth air balloon. Mitchell anytime. Yeah. If oh. Elizabeth Mitchell throws a, throws a diamond off the side, <laughs> I would maybe forgive her a little more idealistic dev patel would definitely throw that diamond. oh 100 percent. yeah and, and mahershal ali would have some perfect very cool yeah reaction of, of when that ouch yeah like i want to hear him deliver that i want to see him just sit there and kind of smirk while we keep the same actor who plays the what's it, ma, the the sesame seed guy oh yeah i forget that actor's name and i forgot to write it down but keep him yeah, <laughs> old now, whatever. I don't care. He yeah, plays no, the he, same exact be part. Ageless. That's ageless. He plays the same part. Maybe he shows up again later in the movie. <laughs> I, maybe he like pops up in the back of the air balloon. I don't uh, yeah, know. I, I wanted he, more. He, of him. he meets them at the end of their air journey. Yeah, and oh, they give sure. him. They they saved one diamond, and it's to give to him. Fair enough. There's like a diamond in the pocket, and it's like, well, here you keep this horrible trauma diamond. Yes, but like. Goodbye. Like, okay, warlord, have this. Yes, yes, yes. Like, very corrupt man, but what an endearingly corrupt man. <laughs> yes. Um, so does that take us to the Towering Infernos? Yeah, then? let's take this to Towering Infernos. I am giving it, 
I'm giving it a 4.5. Oh, I love this movie so much. It makes me so happy. It makes me laugh. There are so many surprisingly warm moments, like when the whole crew of the expedition starts singing California Dreamin'. Oh, that was such a great weird moment. Like, what a weird, wonderful moment. Yeah, Peter starts singing California Dreamin' to Amy to, like, help her calm down. And because it's California Dreamin', like, as he goes on, the entire expedition starts singing it around them. Like, what a fun moment that is. I love the spa diamond mine. I love the geode. I love the... I love the thrills. I love the the patronizing of Peter that that Karen does. I I, I just it makes me so glad. Yeah, I'm. You know what? I I'm giving this a four. All right. Like to the point. I would. So I watched this on. I think it was Sun Sunday maybe. And then I on no. I watched it on Monday. And then last night I was was like maybe I'll watch it again tonight. <laughs> and I I would have had I not spent like four hours at the vet for no good reason. <laughs> I would have come home and like just put it on the background again. Yeah, it's a very it comforting just, movie. It to was me. very easy. And if you watched along with us, folks, you'll know that it streams for free on Prime. Oh yeah. So um, yeah, that's so that was for me. I would say for jo- uh, Jordan, Jason, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'm qualified to give a rating on this one. I, uh, I don't say it was. You, yeah, it was I was. A, I was a bit of a distracted balancing all sorts of things while watching this, and so I, I think I do need to. That's partially why I've been so quiet this episode. Uh, I think I need to give this one one more fair shot before I give it any All right, reasonable. That's very that's very noble. I'm always looking out. Yeah. So So then we'll um, continue. Oh no, go! I was just going to say, does that bring us to what we watch next week? I think it does. All right. Well, then next week it will be another Dean Kane feature. What is it, Amanda? You're you're more familiar with the specifics than me. Um, only because I just Googled it. Um, <laughs> next week is Airplane versus Volcano. All right, starring then. Uh, Dean Kane and who is the other person I said it was starring? It was someone like Robin. Re- Robin Givens. Givens. Yeah. 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 Um, supposedly based on a true story. Wow. Which I think is a very of an loose... airplane versus a volcano. Well, so the the concept behind this movie is that an airplane is basically trapped because of all the volcanoes erupting in the Hawaiian island chain or something. Uh-huh. I don't, I think that based on a true story is real loose mm-hmm. in the sense of maybe that there are airplanes and volcanoes exist, mm-hmm. but we'll find out next week. Yes. And that's available on Tubi. Um, Jason, do we have reviews to read today? Um, we have three new reviews. Uh, hey. I'm going to read two of them this week. Save one for next week. You oh, know? Yep, Kind of yeah. keep, keep going two by two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this first one is from at Thomas Mendez, uh, gave us five stars and says, pleasantly surprised. Thanks. Um, gl- glad he was surprised. Glad we could subvert <laughs> some expectations. Uh, these ladies have great rapport with each other and make movies I've never considered watching, really never even heard of, sound actually enjoyable. Thank you. Yeah. That's the goal. Absolutely. Uh, he finishes it off with saying, I look forward to listening more to more from them. Thank you. Thanks, Thomas Mendez. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, the next one here is from Maximum Mark with a, uh, an indefinite number of X's. <laughs> Maximum Mark. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's minimum amounts of Mark, I judge? guess. Yeah, we, we took it all the way to the max. Uh, <laughs> five stars and uh, the headline is, I'm a disaster diva! Exclamation point. <laughs> you are. Okay, Mark. <laughs> you are. Whether they're talking about boat windows or the logistics of storing children in a hard rock cafe. <laughs> Shouting out some specifics. Yeah. I like it. Jordan and Amanda, parentheses and adjacent. Well, just there's 
there's only and one. Uh, Jason. And Jason. Yeah. We could have more than one. <laughs> we could have more than one. Uh, always make me laugh so hard. I have to pause the episode. <laughs> Even if I haven't watched the movie, I look forward to each week's reality index and learning what this movie is really about. We're really, Amanda's our metaphor master. So the, well, you know. And you're our fearless guide. And syn- <laughs> like, I would absolutely not remember to synopsize things. So thank you for. I am. I do tend to. I feel like I do tend to be the one who like pushes it along the train track. I'm like, and then this happened. I'm like, but then there were gorillas. You're like, Amanda, can we give context to that place? So it's a nice, and then, and then adjacent, and then occasionally we get adjacent jumps in. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I feel like it's the the sauce on the top. Yeah. It's been like eight episodes, I think, since the last time I actually introduced myself. I think almost every episode is just like Jordan and then a random male voice comes in. Yeah. I saw when I was talking to you actually was like, so the first time that Jason jumped in, I was real confused. (laughs) Yeah, that's. That's how being around Jason is, though. Yeah. Yeah. Just occasionally jump in, you'll just be real confused. Yeah, I guess. I guess from now on, before I say anything, it'll be like, "Hi, I'm Jason. Nice to meet you." And yeah. then... I just assume everyone knows who you are now. <laughs> yeah, the, the divas know. The divas. The divas know. That's the audience that matters. The real heads. The real heads. <laughs> I'm a deep cut person. <laughs> You're, you're oh, you're a, a fan cut. of Jason? You're a Name deep cut. three of his albums. <laughs> you're a deep cut as a person, and I consider myself uh, like a series of major chords. <laughs> so that I'm glad that we can continue. That is something I have said about myself. I didn't just make that up now. So like, I'm, I'm glad That's we good. have a consistency. Of I appreciate here. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's really good. All right. Seeking well, I'm be. the rhythm guitar of this situation. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're like, oh, yeah, it would sound weird without it. But like, I don't totally know what George does with the Beatles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anyway, so Jordan, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, at JorCrew, J-O-R-C-R-U. All right, and I'm at Amanda R. Tubbs. That's Tubbs with two Bs. Jason? Uh, you can find me at Jason Halftones. All right, and <laughs> said so silkily. I like that. <laughs> Dulcet tones. It was, I was really like, eh, hey, girl. Hey, uh, yeah, it was a very hey, girl way of saying that. <laughs> um, you can email us. So we're at disaster underscore pod on Twitter. Or you can email us uh, where disastergirlspod at gmail.com. Um, please reach out, share, retweet. Most importantly, though, keep those five-star rating and reviews Hell coming. Yeah. Please do. Seriously, guys, we're at 19. One away from 20. Mm. Did you know what that means? We're six away from 25. That's right. <laughs> that is amazing. Damn right. And we're at our. We're going to have our 10th episode next week. So please come on back. Give us some ratings and reviews to talk about. And uh, we'll see you all next week, Disaster Divas. 